Welcome to Boots and Heels, the Walk in Our Shoes podcast, where we explore various perspectives and routes into agriculture with the aims to educate, empower, ensure that two people from different backgrounds can both find and maintain their place in the industry. So today we welcome Ivory, a poultry manager, and Claire, a vegetarian who owns her own business. On this episode, we discuss the topic of animal welfare, education, and look at two different perspectives. We'd like to add a disclaimer that this discussion is not to encourage arguments or divide people. Instead, we hope to bring people further together to better understand one another, respect individuals' opinions and decisions, and to learn how we can grow as an industry and consumer. Okay, so Ivory, really glad to have you on today. Just a little bit of background about yourself, really. You know, would you like to introduce what you do, um, how long you've been in the industry, um, just a bit about you? Okay, yeah. So um, I'm Ivory. Um, I'm from Lincolnshire. Um, I've grown up in farming, so I've been in it all my life. Uh, we have a family farm. Um, I have only been in the poultry industry for six years, though. Uh, the, far- the family farm diversified six years ago because we are mainly arable and uh, cold storage. Um, so this is quite a new enterprise for us. Um, I've always enjoyed poultry since a very young age, so it was kind of nice to get involved in the family business um, within something that I am very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of six, so I come from a very large family. Um, we're all uh, interlinked with the family farm, so that's good, um, but we don't kind of cross over each enterprise like I'm the poultry and then my brothers do separate things on the farm so we're never butting heads too much. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you ever have to work with them and if you ever have a day off Ivory or would you uh, rather keep them out? Um, <laughs> I, 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 they do help me out sometimes um, not so much with actually the day-to-day um, packing eggs and stuff like that but if there's an emergency they will come and help um, but it's probably better that they stay out (laughs) and do you ever hop on a tractor that's the big question um no not really I'm not really a tractor person I do go on the JCB to fill up the sheep water because we've just uh, got a few sheep at the moment um which we graze on the chicken farms so we do a bit of co-grazing um but that's about all I do to move water bowels around no that's perfect so we will move across now to Becca so Claire again thank you for having us on um I think you're a perfect person to give us another perspective just as Lizzie and I are from two different backgrounds um as I said I think you're the perfect person to have on for this topic thank you so just as again a similar question for Ivory um just a bit about your background um and what your job entails now yep so um I'm primarily a children's illustrator and I create uh, prints and interior design for um, nurseries, bedrooms, playrooms, uh, and I sell that online. Um, Like another part of my business is I do window illustrations for local businesses. Um, So I was born in Middlesbrough uh, in Teesside and now I live in Cambridgeshire. Uh, and I've just, I moved here about a year ago, so it's all quite new. I've never lived here, not under restrictions, so it's a bit of a funny one, but um, here I am now. Um, I think that's about it, really. Interesting. And so the move from um, Cambridge up here, was that just work-related or for any other reason? Um, 
Do you mean like the move from Middlesbrough to Cambridge? Uh, yeah, sorry, wrong way around. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, yeah, my partner had work here. So when my work contract finished, I came and uh, moved down here with him. Um, perfect, thank you for that. So a question now, which, um, well, relates to our, the main topic of our podcast is um, why and when um, you decided to become a vegetarian? Yeah, okay. So um, I think my earliest memory of thinking about meat versus the animal and the link between, I think I was about 12 and I remember being in a restaurant and ordering some chicken. Um, and I think we were, I was having a conversation with my mum and she knows how much I loved animals, even from a, a young age. And um, she said, like, how do you like mentally separate the animal and the thing that you're eating? And I said, you know, I, I kind of, it, I block it out in my mind. I just enjoy the meal and don't think about the animal. Yeah. Um, but that was like the first time there was quite a strong link made in my mind. And it made me kind of think further on that. Um, and then kind of going through school in science, we were exposed to like uh, battery chickens, broiler chickens, uh like footage that I'd never seen before and I think the average child of that age was I was probably 13 or 14 they just haven't seen that kind of thing before and it really shocked me mm. uh, and then pass on another few years until like I've been vegetarian for about five years now so maybe five years ago it was just being exposed to kind of slaughterhouse footage and like welfare issues that I wasn't aware of and more and more was being brought to light and I realised it became, it became really hard to align my love of animals with the things that I was putting in my mouth and eating. No, I think um, that's fair. I drew that's a line in the sand and I thought, you know, maybe this isn't quite right for me and I went vegetarian. No, I think that's um, fair enough and to be honest, it's a real commitment, you know, to make that step. Um, I think... I mean, certainly for me, growing up, it was something that crossed my mind, um, whether, you know, I wanted to disconnect, I suppose, from what we are producing and eating and, and, and the animal aspect there as well, because I think, every, I'm, as I say, myself and quite a lot of children do tend to think about these things. Um, but as a vegetarian, Claire, you do eat... Um, eggs and, and have milk and things as well is that that's correct isn't it yeah that's correct yeah so obviously um if we're, if we're going on that would you prefer certain type of eggs or um how does welfare um work into your choices I suppose um so so for example if I was at a supermarket the first thing I would go for would be organic um because of the high welfare standard uh, the amount of space per chicken which often can't it's not as good with free range as as organic and there's other things with organic that are minimum minimized or not allowed in comparison to free range or cage so it would be first choice organic second free range third barn and then fourth caged but I don't think I've actually ever bought caged because I can't <laughs> I can't bring myself to so it would be organic every time Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting and good to see that you've made kind of delineations between 
each kind of stage and, and step up of welfare as um, I wonder if sometimes people aren't necessarily aware that there are differences between organic and free range as you say the spacing and, and and things like that so it's interesting to see that you yeah you've made it made a delineation between them. I think it's also really interesting um, Claire that you mentioned about caged um, eggs because obviously the commitment now is um, no more cages by 2025 which I think yeah. is a really good movement for welfare standards in general um, what what are your thoughts on that I I've well I think they were talking about this years ago like trying to kind of ban it um, I can't wait for that day like I, I think it'll be just such a huge step forward in animal welfare to have no cages um yeah I think it's a great thing yeah no brilliant um so Ivory if we're on the topic of welfare what does high well welfare mean to you and with your poultry sheds how do you um maintain um a good level of welfare so high welfare means to me is um creating a safe and happy environment for uh, the animals and also allowing them to express natural behaviours such as scratching, pecking, roaming, um, perching, all that kind of thing. So yeah, in order, but also to be able to um, perform well because a happy hen lays good eggs, don't they? It all comes in if they're stressed, they're not going to lay as well. A bit like an athlete, really. Like you have to put in as much thing like quality into them for performance. So it's a bit of a hand in hand situation. Exactly. Um, oh, sorry. I was just going to echo that. That it's interesting. I liked your point about the natural behaviour. Um, as we can sometimes kind of forget that you know animals aren't just machines. Um, they're they're kind of they're an animal. They have to exhibit behaviour, as you say, for their productivity. Um, but how would you say that the way you kind of manage your hens, is it, is it the fact they're free range or what, what things really contribute to their natural behaviour for you? Um, things such as, like I said, like being able to roam, roam out, like roam around the range um, to like get worms and insects from the grass and things, but also mainly to be able to dust bathe and scratch with inside the shed as well. Um, and yeah, to be able to just do what they would already do, but just on a commercial farm. So trying to disconnect that um, fact that, like you said about cage and stuff like that, uh, especially um, abroad, them having probably lower standards, not so great as uh, British farming, and trying to disconnect that kind of feel that, they can't roam, they can't do, they can't just bathe, they're just in a little area and they just lay eggs, like, it's, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to um, allow these hens to just do what they would always do if, if they were in a back garden, but just, like I said, on a commercial scale. That's, yeah, that's great, and actually, British farming, I think we're lucky to live in a place where, on the whole, we can, um, we can have high standards and um, there's a lot of traceability um, and hopefully, well, I guess reassurance for consumers. I mean, Claire, maybe a, a point for you that 
the fact that all our eggs are stamped. You could even probably pretty much go back to the farm and, you know, when the egg was laid is a really reassuring thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the traceability is nice. Uh, and I agree with the point that we are lucky to live in quite a, a high welfare um, country in comparison to other places in the world that I'm, I've always been glad that I live here in that sort of respect. I think that's a really interesting point on um, welfare, you know, um, it, different perspectives of, of what high welfare means. So I guess, Claire, if um, in the future, what changes would you like to see perhaps um, to improve welfare? What would what do you think would be beneficial for the industry and for um, animal well-being? Um, are we specifically talking about uh, eggs or kind of in general? Um, both. Let's talk in general and then more specifically um, eggs. Um, okay, so if we're talking more generally, um, so yeah, I know there's like different certifications, you know, like um, organic and free range and barn and that kind of thing. But as we talk, as, as we like mentioned before, I don't think the average consumer knows exactly what that entails. It's not that clear. And sometimes it can be misleading um if if i made the rules i would uh, i'd try and introduce a new certification that um was absolutely crystal clear to consumers so they know exactly what they're paying a premium for um yeah that's what i would like to see uh i'm just looking at my notes would that be a certification across kind of animal production and egg production in general or obviously it might have to be more specific so a, a standard for eggs a standard for beef production and milk production etc yeah yeah um that would be fine as long as it didn't start to um cause lots of different ones and then become confusing again for a, a consumer you know mm -hmm. you know maybe uh, animal products and then actual meat maybe two separate ones if that would be more relevant yeah yeah I think that's really interesting because I mean certainly <clears throat> when I came into the industry Becca um, when we had a, a first discussion I didn't realize what free range actually meant mm -hmm. um, there is so much more to it that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you know free range is, is not the high welfare that we expect I, I think it just needs perhaps more education and more um maybe a little bit more accessible yeah i mean ivory um are you looking to perhaps um expand in the future and, and, and if you were or um if you were going to upgrade it in any way what, what would you like to see to improve welfare standards um yeah well we are considering um expanding not not by much but um yeah we do we are planning on it um I just think, I think as an industry, uh, we are doing quite a lot, um, like Claire said, like, but people might not realise or know or not have the facts. Um, and I feel like it's um, both like false information and also uh, the farmers not, not knowing how to educate people on the matter. Um, for instance, like we have 40 acres of uh, land which is like 40 football pitches per shed which is a massive amount of acreage for them to roam on which a lot of people don't realize like that is the extent of free range um 
But I just think um, things that I would like to see within um, the industry is just different ways of enrichment. Um, so like different pecking items to, to so your birds aren't getting bored because um, feather pecking can be an issue within big flocks and small flocks. Um, so just kind of introducing more items and different things, maybe with nutritional values or just a novelty pecking item. Um, I know the industry are looking a lot into different types, but I think that's that could be a big push on what I see as a manager, like what I would like to see. Um, really good answer actually on the, on the enrichment, because again, we can forget that animals do get bored and it, as I said before, it's part of their natural behaviour and it stops some other kind of more detrimental behaviour, um, which I mean, to be fair, which they would exhibit naturally in the wild. Um, it, it's not just restricted to if they're, uh, if they're farmed. Um, but yeah, anything that can, can keep boredom at bay um, has got to be a good, a good development. Even, you know, there's already tools out there, but the more we can do um, is really good. Oh, massively. Yeah. Um, because they are like, well, a lot of people know that chickens can be quite vicious to each other, even if they are just three in your back garden, because it's all to do with hierarchy and pecking order, as they call it. Um, so, yeah, it's just trying to keep that at bay. And obviously, um, yeah, just trying to make them as stress free as possible in order to lay good quality eggs and perform well. So, yeah. No, I think that's uh, really interesting and important to um, consider. And actually, if we're thinking about farming in general being quite accessible in, in education, I um, know from my own personal experience, and, and I did actually go to school with Claire, um, we weren't really taught anything on farming, on agriculture, on the importance of the industry and how big it is. Um, would you agree on that, Claire? Um, well, I remember in about year eight or nine, there was a small section of a science lesson where they introduced us to kind of broiler chickens and showed us welfare like that. As far as I remember, that was only covered for a lesson, which would be an hour. And I, and I can't remember anything else agriculture related throughout the whole curriculum. Um, to this day apart from that quite small lesson and it it is kind of shocking to think about now how little we're we talk about it yeah so to some degree there's kind of um a, a re like almost um a reason there why, why we're so detached from our food sometimes um perhaps we're not exposed to um enough education whether it be um you know a specific sector or welfare or, or even the career paths that agriculture have you know, um, I never thought I'd end up in the industry, but it is huge and there is so much more to it. Um, so a question on the, um, well, on how accessible the education element is. Do you think that in general, if we kind of forget about school, we could probably all agree that a bit more, um, a bit more agriculture in the curriculum would be beneficial. Um, but for your everyday kind of consumer, um, we've talked about maybe standards being a bit clearer um but kind of where would you go for information on farming is it or does the information seem 
very much like if you're in the industry, it's accessible. And if you're not in the industry, then you just have to kind of make your own way through and, and, and find your own kind of decisions. Are you asking me, Becca? Yes, I'll direct that to you, Claire. Yeah. OK, so um, my answer would be both yes and no at the same time. So I think our for the average consumer, I think the main source of uh, information would be the Internet. So in that way, you could just kind of Google your information, get it. But the key thing is, uh, do I think um, there is a lack of independent, non-biased information? Absolutely, yes. Because um, say if you Google uh, keywords like animal welfare, farming, agriculture, that kind of thing, you'll get, you usually seem to get one of two extremes. You'll get... Um, like, you know, Peter, that kind of thing, quite like inflammatory, uh, emotive language, often graphic. Um, and then uh, aside from that, on the other end of the scale, you might get um, kind of pro-farming uh, websites uh, that maybe the language might be a bit more sterile, maybe a little bit more distance from the nitty gritty of actually what goes on. There's very few accessible sites that give independent non-biased information of what happens um and i think that's a big problem perhaps then that's kind of something um i mean that we're looking to achieve becky you'd agree that you know platforms such as our podcast for instance where we show two different perspectives and let the listener or the reader decide you know what really sits with them and, and consider both sides because it isn't just one extreme to the other there is so much mm. to consider and I think that's important to be able to give people the um the platform to be to be able to access that yeah definitely agree and um, so Ivory would you say well probably quite a difficult question when the kind of industry is your well it's your life really um but in terms of how you think that maybe non-farming um, members of um, of the population can access information. Um, do you think it's adequate or do you think there are extremes, as Claire mentioned? Um, 100% I think there's extremes. Um, but I, I see it as, I think a lot of the extremes are either false information or, like I said earlier, um, a lot of it isn't from British farms. So it's kind of, which is completely not the consumer's fault they're just finding that information and what you read you, you believe a lot of the time because if you don't know any different and there's not the proper information out there then you've not got anything to like say oh well we've got this information and that information it is very all either one or the other there's no in between um and as a farmer that can be very difficult because you can attract a lot of backlash for something that you might not you're not even doing like, um, for instance, we've had some um, issues in the past where we've been accused of this and that and the other, and like a lot of videos of people saying, oh, this is what happens there, and it's not been in this country <laughs> and nothing to do with our production systems. Um, but I do agree that is also, like I said earlier, the farmer's fault as well for not giving that information or being a bit like a bit taboo about the whole subject um 
so yeah, I do think it could be 100% better. And I do believe that we need to educate people um, with the correct information and then they can make the decision either or. Mm. Exactly, that's, that's such an important point that farmers are part of the education and the message to get across because they're living it every day. Um, so to almost make farmers as attached to the education as possible is probably the way forward. Oh, massively, yeah, 100%, because we're the ones that are, it, like, like you said, living it. So we know what is going on. And I do think that it, it, yeah, something needs to be done to show people this is where your food comes from. And this is the kind of welfare that British farmers are achieving. Um, so yeah, I do, I do strongly believe that we do need a lot more um, like education on thing, on farming and food. Well, I'd genuinely just like to thank both of you really for being um, on the podcast today. I think it's so great to have different perspectives and ideas and to talk about these things. You know, sometimes these issues are, are, are kind of smoothed over and no one really gets um, delved into it. Or it is kind of that extreme where you, you're arguing against each other and it's a bit of a debate. But no, I, I really hope that, um, you know, our listeners do take something away from these podcasts that we're doing and, and you know, maybe consider different perspectives. So last question, um, which is a bit of a fun one. Um, I'll start with Ivory. Are you team boots or team heels? Um, I'm team boots. I'm not very good in heels, if I'm honest. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I live in my wellies, so. <laughs> what colour are your wellies, Ivory? Oh, they're green. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and Claire, are you boots or heels? Uh, definitely boots. Oh um, my god! Yes, <laughs> definitely. definitely. I've I've volunteered at the RSPCA. I've volunteered at an alpaca farm. So I am comfortable and happy in boots. It's the only footwear for the job. <laughs> <laughs> I say as I roll my eyes, wearing my heels in the office currently. <laughs> but no, thank you both so much for being on today. Um, it's been great to have you, and I'm sure Becca agrees. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And as I said at the start, I think you're both perfect for showing different perspectives, which is exactly what we want to do with the podcast. Well, no, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. And I really uh, found it very interesting hearing Claire's um, point of view of how she saw welfare and things. So, no, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been refreshing. Um, I think conversations like this should be had more often. 100%, I agree. Oh, that's oh, great. Thanks, guys. Thank you so that brings us to the end of today's episode. And we'd just like to say a massive thank you to Ivory and Claire for taking the time to speak with us today. Hopefully everybody listening has learned something and it's been a really informative discussion. Please head over to our blog to read our latest post. And thanks again for listening.